Welcome to the Ready Eddy Podcast, where we help you discover innovative startups in the outdoor sport industry. Join us as we tell the story of brands who are paving the way for the future of outdoor sports. And here's your host, Josh Salvo. Hey, Ready Eddy Podcast listeners. Do you love skiing, snowboarding, climbing, hiking, camping, surfing, kayaking, or mountain biking? Did you know that there are thousands of new outdoor sports startups launching each year with incredible stories and products that are revolutionizing their sports? At Ready Yeti, we are a community of outdoor sport enthusiasts that love discovering new brands and supporting the ones that make innovative, quality products and that have a drive to give back. At ReadyEddy.com, we give away products every two weeks from your soon-to-be favorite outdoor sports startups. Check out ReadyEddy.com and become a part of our daily growing outdoor sports community and be among the first to discover tomorrow's outdoor sport brands. Hey guys, Josh Salvo here and I wanted to welcome you to the Ready Yeti Podcast. On today's episode, I have the pleasure of chatting with Nicole Bassett and Jeff Denby, the founders of the Renewal Workshop. They refurbish apparel from great brands like Piranha, Ibex, Toad & Co, and so many more. Uh, they call it the Renewal Apparel. Each item is inspected, graded, repaired, if necessary, cleaned and labeled. Every piece of Renewal Apparel is one of a kind and always certified to the quality standards of their brand partners. Nicole and Jeff, welcome and thanks for taking the time to chat with me. Hi Josh. Thanks for having us. For sure. So right off the bat, I think one of the facts that really is painstakingly in your face is the fact that in the United States, 14 million tons of apparel end up in landfills every single year. Now, I think that's incredibly insane. And I would love for you guys to sort of go through the story of the Renewal Workshop and sort of walk us through how you found that out and how you came up with uh, the Renewal Workshop idea and what it is now. Well, um, I think it helps to know that Jeff and I, both our backgrounds is in apparel manufacturing. We both, um, Jeff started a company, Pact, uh, and I worked inside a number of apparel companies. And so every year we made those <laughs> garments that went, uh, you would imagine, eventually into landfill every year. So when you go see factories over the years uh, making your product, but also looking around and seeing hundreds of thousands of other units being made, um, it kind of, you're often saying to yourself, where does this all go? Like, who's buying all of this? And then what happens to it when it's done? Um, so the renewal workshop really came out of um, being involved in sustainability, about understanding the apparel industry, and um, thinking about, okay, we've spent our careers making clothes in a better way, um, trying to make um, things more environmentally and socially responsible, fair trade, organic cotton, recycled materials. Uh, but then at the end of their life cycle, where does it go? And um, there were a few companies and people and uh, organizations starting to think about this. And so we kept thinking about it and realized that uh, there was a huge opportunity here and the way that there are manufacturers making things, uh, new things overseas, that there is a lot of stuff here in the U.S. that needs to be processed. So our big vision is uh, to create a completely circular system for the textiles and we do that to begin with by partnering with the brands um, you mentioned and taking the things that they don't 
know what to do with and we bring it into our to our factory and we determine the highest value of that material and so like you said renewed apparel is um, one of the first things that we can do um, and then we also look at upcycling and recycling those textiles that's really awesome so you touched on your backgrounds and you both were in the apparel industry but where did where did the stories start for both of you well uh, for me actually I started in product development um, years and years ago making everything from forks to furniture and was re- was overseas in China and Vietnam and other Asian countries in factories making the everyday products that we use and uh, it was there that I really started to get exposed to the the process of manufacturing and how environmentally and socially damaging it was uh, and it really was kind of my experiences over there were the the impetus to um, begin to look at the idea of sustainability um, in materials but also particularly when it comes to social standards for manufacturing and um, that's uh, led me into the apparel world and uh, there's it's such a complicated global supply chain and all the way along the supply chain there's a lot of opportunity for exploitation of of people and resources and uh, it just seemed like this massive uh, interesting and amazing um, problem to try to solve so that's for me I, I ended up going to grad school and doing an MBA and then creating um, a new company called Pact where we try to make uh, apparel using um, transparent supply chains and um, organic and fair trade supply chains and it was all about like as Nicole was mentioning earlier this idea of trying to make new stuff better uh, and then that just really led us to this idea of, okay, so we've been working on the front end of this, but what happens really at that very last stage of all of this, all of the resources that we've so carefully tried to put into this, then what? It goes to landfill? That seems like there's some sort of strange, inefficient system happening. Yeah, and Jeff and I actually met through the fair trade supply chain. So we were, um, I was working for Prana, uh, running their sustainability program. And then, um, and Jeff and I were inadvertently sharing the same factory over in India. So we got to know each other over the years there. Um, And I think for me, one of the big things was years ago, I learned about cradle to cradle and was like that is such an interesting idea like every industry will eventually evolve to being a circular system so operating so that there is no waste like it's a continuous cycle where a material gets either biodegrades or it turns into a new material and so yeah so when so that's always been like okay, every industry will be doing this, so apparel will be doing this at some point. We just need to put, start putting some resources towards it and some thinking towards it and modeling towards it. And so, um, yeah, having known each other through the fair trade world, it was like, oh, let's let's go try this thing. Because <laughs> that wasn't hard. <laughs> yeah. We need something harder to do. <laughs> Always. <laughs> that's, that's a very interesting story. So outside of the sustainability in your work lives, what... What activities are you guys into? Are you hikers, campers? What what sort of uh, gets you guys excited? <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, when you start a startup, it's like, oh, you don't actually get to do any of the things you love. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you stare fondly at magazines and be like, oh, yeah, that would be lovely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so we're kind of lucky. Uh, our factory is just east of Portland, Oregon. We're in the Columbia Gorge, uh, which is a national scenic area. Um, I live in Hood River. So even if I right now, my biggest thing is mountain biking and running and luckily there's lots of nature and trails to get out in it so i feel like at least i get i get to like enjoy some of the nature i love uh and the reason why i got into the outdoor industry but uh, it feels a little far and few between these days yeah we try to uh keep ourselves sane i think uh uh sleep food and exercise are important fundamentals for anybody, but particularly if you're um, an entrepreneur doing a startup, those are things that people can let go of very quickly and, um, and, and try to work, 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 work. Uh, but as soon as you give up those fundamentals, you start to get not as smart and not as cheerful. So we really try to focus here on making sure that we do make time for um, exercise and proper sleeping and and we can't just run on caffeine all day. So it's a it's a big part of the company we're trying to build is one that like respects uh, time and 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 is not so crazy as to like run ourselves into the ground. So yeah, we try to get outside and do stuff as often as possible. That's really that's a very good point. Like I, I've I empathize with you because I went through the sort of same thing when I started Ready Eddie with my partners. You know, it's you started the business to get outside and sort of feed your passion, something you're very interested in. And for me, like I'd spend like 15 hours behind a computer, you know, and I, I wouldn't do like as the opposite of me. I like being outside like I just and I, it was getting to me. Right. And my partner's like, you're just grumpy all the time. I'm like, I know I need to get outside. <laughs> and then I realized like, OK, I need a balance. I need to make sure that I'm getting outside and, you know, whether it's hiking, climbing, skiing, whatever it is. Uh, but you're so right. So right. Yeah, we've done it. Um, both Nicole and I had our own businesses uh, before. So this is not our first rodeo. And so I think we've learned from from earlier experiences like, oh, yeah, no, we don't. We're going to start a business, but we're not going to do it that way. We're actually going to be a lot more conscious of our time and our employees time and how we run our business and what we value here. So uh, I think that comes with age, maturity, experience, and and yeah, with age, it's like no, I can't do that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. No, that's great. So you you spoke about your team. How many members do you have in the renewal workshop? There's seven. Seven, yeah. Including seven, almost eight. Yeah, that's crazy. That's awesome. So how long have you guys been working at the Renewal Workshop? Um, I always find that funny. I don't have a good answer for that. But um, the I think Jeff and I have been working on this for... About a year and a half, really. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, we took our funding uh, at the beginning of 2016 was really when we raised the money to actually impl- begin the implementation of the business plan. And... Um, so it's been a very, very fast year. You know, we've gone from sitting at uh, computers with an idea to raising money and closing that, that investment and to having a fully functioning 
factory filled with machinery, equipment, and clothing producing renewed apparel in like 10 months. Wow. <laughs> yeah, now you know why we're not outside all the time hiking and biking. <laughs> Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Um, that's really interesting. So you guys raised capital for the initial outside of the Indiegogo project that you guys ran. Yeah, that's right. Interesting. So what made you guys decide to go that route as opposed to the bootstrapping? Well, we. <laughs> I mean, we we started literally in my garage until my husband was like, "All right, guys, come on, I need more." <laughs> like, you're you're invading on my woodworking space here. Uh, I think we realized, like, in order to the idea of what we were trying to achieve is so much bigger and greater than us, and we needed to serve that idea in the way that would make it successful. And that was not bootstrapping it in my garage and hiding the fact that we needed to like set up sewing machines and what you know cleaning equipment and all this stuff. Like it needed to be served by real funding and real resources. So when we kind of just put the budget together for it, it was like, oh yeah, like I don't have wealthy parents, so um, <laughs> I did not win the lottery. Uh, neither did Jeff. So we were like, okay, this is this is a path we're going to have to take. Interesting. That's that's really interesting. I like the fact that you guys started out as sort of a bootstrap and then matured into like, okay, we're at the point where we need to finally raise capital. Um, so you guys have a very unique product, right? So for the listener, what exactly when they go on therenewalworkshop.com, what kind of products will they see will they see multiple of the same or each one's unique how, how well what, what does that look like so when the customer comes to the renewalworkshop.com they will see renewed apparel and what renewed apparel is is um it is product that has come through the um our factory and gone through the renewal uh process so when we receive um, product in bulk shipments from the brands, it's all kinds of different products that's been returned or maybe damaged or it's warranty or it's overproduction or there's a manufacturer defect, all sorts of different reasons. And all of that gets thrown into a single, you know, into a bunch of boxes all mixed up together. So our process here is to pull out that, the product out of those boxes, assess um, its condition decide if we feel like it can be renewed, which means um, for us that it gets cleaned using our state-of-the-art waterless CO2 cleaning technology, which gets it to a hospital grade, good as new, clean. And then if there is something wrong with it, it gets repaired. So it can be anything from literally a missing button or a small tear or a broken zipper we fix it in a way that um, the customer would not be able to tell. Uh, and so then it gets uh, photographed and uh, put up on our site for sale. So every item that comes through is unique. Um, sometimes we get multiples of items, but for the most part, <clears throat> everything is is a unique item and uh, uh, the repair is, is one of a kind. And the process that we use for uh, renewal is one that's, um, pretty sophisticated and so this is really taking product that um, because of an inefficient system would have gone to landfill perhaps and instead 
uh, we've brought it back to life. Uh, you know, the real, like imagine sending a shirt to a landfill because it's missing a button or a perfectly good jacket that has a broken zipper off to landfill. I mean, we, these are items that have tons of value left in them and should be back out in the world and can be repaired. So that's why we have this factory. That's what we produce and that's what renewed um, apparel is. And then for the customer, they will, we also label the product with the renewal workshop um, label on it. So the customer knows that this is actually a different piece of clothing. Actually, I'm wearing a Prana renewed jacket right now. Um, and so it's a Prana jacket, but uh, it had um, it had a hole fixed in it and now it's relabeled. So it's really cool for the customer to be able to tell the story to their friends and community to say like, hey, like this is this is a unique product. Like this has a story and this has a real environmental impact. So one of the other things that we have on our site is an um uh, we have a, a loyalty program that's measured that measures the environmental uh, and social impact of what a you know a circular uh, piece of clothing can look like. So we're looking at the environmental impact of the original material that you make it out of. So uh, cotton, uh, sorry, like uh, energy, water, waste, uh, chemistry that was used to make the original product. Um, and then we also look at how the how much landfill was saved by you buying this product, and then also how many jobs that you are creating into the circular economy. So we really want to engage customers with like, hey, you buying this is means a lot to uh, the bigger picture. That's really interesting. So how did you guys develop this process that you take the apparel through this renewal process? How, like, has it? I assume it's sort of changed and improved since you guys first started and I, I guess where could it go in the future I guess that's multiple questions but <laughs> yeah I mean you know, the amazing part was when Nicole had this idea initially and brought it to me and I came up and started looking at product it was like unbelievable to pull product out of a box and see that it was pants missing a button or a shirt with a seam tear and then to know that that was considered waste and garbage and and being sent to landfill and so that that part of it was like you know we looked at each other it was like okay there we have to be able to develop a system to be able to fix this but what we realized is that to do that here in the US was all about creating a system that would be really efficient because of the cost of doing business here and the cost of labor and so it was about thinking through how do we use technology to help us create a process and a system that renews each garment individually in a way that is um, as efficient as possible. And so that took, um, that took, I would, yeah, well over a year of um, us thinking it through and then bringing in industrial engineers when we got our factory space and having the uh, engineers really work on process flow so that we were creating a factory that was laid out in the most efficient way um, to reduce time, to reduce handling, uh, and create that, that efficient um, process. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a really, it's an ever-evolving one. Um, we, you know, it's a, now that we really have our physical space, it's, 
you know, we have rolling racks going different places. We're reorganizing things on the fly as we're learning. And uh, that's a really exciting part about this is that we're, we're creating a whole new custom system that, that does this for this kind of product. I totally understand why you guys raise capital now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Building a factory. It, we had to build a factory. We had to have the right equipment to do this in a way. You know, we're partnering with some of the biggest, best brands in the world, and we want to be able to renew the product to a place where they feel confident to certify us as their official renewal partner and that we can produce um, renewed apparel that meet their quality standards. So we have to have a pretty professional-looking place. Of course, of course. So what you mentioned that you guys, a few of the products that you would renew, like jackets, shirts, but is is it limited to anything like when someone goes on the renewal workshop will they find mid layers um pants like what what is your focus i guess so to speak on the product line that you guys are going to be offering yeah i think out of the gate it's um it's pants it's shirts um and long sleeve shirts short sleeve shirts uh and it's sort of the offering of the brands that we have is kind of essentially what we will be putting out there. So um, it's reflective of what Prana sells. It's reflective of what Ibex sells and Mountain Khakis and Toad Co. So uh, it's their product that's coming through. Um, our operations in general, we can focus on anything related to textiles and as far as the that operation. But for on our website, those you'll see what our brand partners make. Yeah, and it's, it's exciting because in the future we'll be able to roll in um, different kinds of products like backpacks and sleeping bags and tents and things like that. Um, so it's a step-by-step process, but for now it's we're really focused on all kinds of apparel. That's really interesting. So you guys have mentioned a lot of unique things about your business, but something maybe specifically about you guys, your business, or the industry, what's something that no one really knows that's very unique in addition to what obviously we've already been talking about? Something totally unique that nobody knows. Yep. Yep. So I think one thing that's really fascinating about our business is the cleaning equipment that we use. So we've partnered with a um, company called Tursis, and they use, they've created um, this incredible system it's like 10 feet by 10 feet by 10 feet it's a giant box of pipes and and uh, chambers and things like that and it's um a huge laundry machine that can do 50 pounds of uh clothing at a time and it cleans the product with liquid co2 uh, so it pressurizes the chamber to 800 psi, turning CO2 back into a liquid. And then when the liquid, uh, it's CO2 as a um, liquid has a smaller molecule than uh, water, and it is very slippery against itself. And so it can go deep into uh, fibers um, on a textile and can pull out more um, dirt and be a better cleaning agent than water. And it um, also when so when you're we do a cycle with the detergent and then when the pressure releases the the liquid turns back to a gas and the um, product is dry so there's no heat used in the process at all so no water and no heat and it gets the the product to a totally um, good as new clean 
It can take out smoke, mold, all kinds of icky dank that may accumulate <laughs> on product, um, and a, like a whole bunch of crazy stains. And uh, it's kind of like a big magic machine. Uh, and so that is the the cleaning technology that we use in the factory, and it's pretty darn cool. <laughs> what? That's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. So is this going to be like technology at everyone's houses in like 30 years? Like the new washroom? That's crazy. I can't even like wrap my mind around that. That's awesome. That, I think the cost would have to come down quite a lot first, yeah. <laughs> to commercialize it at the consumer level. It's uh, kind of a big industrial thing. But who knows? I mean, yeah, this is, I mean, thinking about water resources, you know, this is, we pretty efficient from an environmental standpoint. We recapture 98% of all the CO2 that's used in each cycle. Um, you know, it's it's a pretty amazing piece of equipment. Mm -hmm. that's, that's incredible. So along this journey that you guys have had, you must have had mentors throughout your, biz your past businesses, your work life, and now with the Renewal Workshop. Who, who have they been and how have they helped you get where you are where you guys are now yeah well for me there's been a lot I think the thing that if someone were to tell me I don't think I would have been able to listen but because I wouldn't have known but now that I'm in it it's like how when you start a business you have to know so many things not just like what you're an expert in so I came in with a career and an expertise in certain things but now all of a sudden I have to understand investing and marketing and um, accounting um, so there's been a number of people for me who it's like I'm like I just need to ask dumb questions we have this great um pseudo CFO who we were working with through the small business development center from the state of Oregon. And, you know, I can just sit down with him and be like, can you just go through what a PLL is and a balance sheet? Like I, yeah. I get these are words that we're using all the time. And he just has had over the last year has just really, um, helped me become far more financially savvy and be able to understand like the details of accounting and, um, all that stuff. And you're just like, Thanks. Like, I think that's the part is like, you just have to be able to go out and ask people and find people who you can, you know, just say, I need to be dumb, but I need to learn because I don't want to fake this. Like, this is too important. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. I, I <laughs> accounting is my, is my crux, uh, crux as well. <laughs> I hate it so much. <laughs> oh, it's the worst, but it's something you have to do. It's something you have to do. Yeah, I think it's important for, um, I think it's really important for entrepreneurs to seek out a mentorship um, web, a circle of people that can help uh, guide you through this ridiculous marathon. Um, it's, like Nicole said, there's expertise that you just as one single person or even two people together as founders just simply don't have. And uh, people have a lot of experience and that you don't want to make the same mistakes that they can help you avoid. And so we have a network of people that we use um, and some of them are official advisors um, and really close to the company um, that's just been phenomenal to have their input um, constantly guiding us. And then uh, I personally have mentors in my life on a personal note um, just because I think that 
meeting with experienced, you know, people that are looking out for you in this process is also really helpful, you know, so I have a, a really amazing woman who's a mentor to me and I meet with her like once a month or every six weeks and we have breakfast and it's kind of like, how are you? Like, <laughs> you know, and that's, yeah. oh, it's like, yeah, the business is interesting, but like, how are you dealing with all of the anxiety and stress and everything that goes with it? And it's a nice reset and also to have somebody in your life who is like thinking that through. So it's really important to have, to make it through this um, craziness of starting a, a company by having that, that network. Yeah, no, I think that's great. That's so valuable. It's incredible. For me, I, I feel the exact same way. So many people who know so much about something I don't know anything about telling me, like, no, don't do that. That's stupid. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> you, know, like, you should do it this way. It saves you a lot of time and headache and uh, relieves you from stress. Um, but, you know, obviously your business is built upon sustainability and sustainable manufacturing, but... Is there anything that, you know, we haven't covered in the sense of fair trade or being, you know, as sustainable as possible? You mentioned the um, um, washing process that you guys have that obviously saves on water. But is there anything else that you guys are doing that really stands out in the sustainability aspect? Um, well, one of the things that was important when we created the values of the company is that um, we have one value um, called sensibility. And that to me is really, uh, really strong around this idea of sense of sustainability. It's like, does that make sense to do that? Um, and so when we look at a problem or we look at an expenditure, like when we're ever going to like touch a physical thing, I think every single one of us now, we all have this like pause we're like, oh, I need to get this, but then where is it going to go when I'm done with it? Or what do we, what is this made out of? Or like, do I need to get this new? Um, so I think our <laughs> greatest sustainability story is that um, <laughs> we were having our like company meeting and I don't know, Jeff, you were looking at your phone or something you're like, oh my God, sports authority is going out of business. And then someone made a joke like, oh yeah, we should go check. We should go get a bunch of their stuff. And so our op head of operations, Dave, like the next day drove down to Sports Authority <laughs> and went in there and was like, guys, they're getting rid of everything that we are about to buy. And so um, I would say about 70% of the like equipment and fixtures in our racking, yeah, yeah, racks and uh, in our factory are all used. Um, and so <laughs> while it was really depressing and sad watching Sports Authority um, uh, basically liquidate everything in their building, um, we must have taken about six massive U-Haul truck loads of <laughs> their product out of there. Um, so it was really good for us. But that was just like, hey, that's common sense. Why would we buy something new when we can go get it used? And I think that mentality has been pretty awesome here. That's great. That's really cool. And it's funny when you're working at a business and you got your head down and you're kind of just running a million miles an hour, you, you can easily miss those opportunities. I've done it myself where I'm just like, oh, that would have been a good idea. Like that would have been smart, saved some money and been a way to, you know, um, save time and capital. It's, it's just interesting um, that so many people do that. But that's cool. That's really cool. Um, 
So you have seven people on your team. What is the culture like in your organization? Obviously, your uh, Indiegogo video is very, it's full of humor. You guys clearly like to laugh and make jokes. But tell, <laughs> tell our audience, you know, what's it like uh, in a daily sort of setting um, in the factory working with you guys? It's just all laughter and joy. And you just, <laughs> yeah. It's lots of skipping and singing. Yeah, we sing. Everything is just singing here. <laughs> it's a musical. It's a musical factory. Um, you know, I think what it's a really interesting um, uh, question because when you start up, you very, really quickly jump right into operations and all the details of the business and trying to, you know, um, just go. And we purposely did not. We spent a lot of time developing our values uh, for the company and deciding between when it was just really Nicole and I, who are we as people and why are we doing this together and what is the kind of organization that we want to create and work at. Um, And I think again, this is like when you reach a certain age and a point in your career, you're like, oh yeah, no, I know exactly where I want to go to work and I want to create that environment and um, I'm going to work to make it coexist with a successful business. So we have a really intentional set of values that we um, operate under and when we interview people, we go through those values and make sure that those values resonate with with uh, incoming employees, whether they're a sew tech on a sewing machine or at a director level. Um, And so I think that once people really understand what those are all about, um, it really helps to create a cohesive culture and it allows people to also make decisions through the lens of those values. Uh, And and that, uh, that gives us a common language and a common process and so when somebody is choosing to make a decision or has made a decision and saying I'm doing this because it lines up with our values um, it's like oh that makes yeah that makes sense that's right or someone's doing something that doesn't or is making a decision out of something that is against one of our values then we can stop and be like hey that's that is like it's not how we're doing business, we're trying to do it differently. And it's like, oh, right, we've got this orientation um, tool. So I think it's a really important part for entrepreneurs at the beginning of their business to stop and decide, before they start business, decide how they actually want to do business and the kind of company culture they want to create. Yeah, and I think that then you have to be very intentional about how to like demonstrate those values with things. You need indicators or um, like hints and clues towards like what that value looks like. So one of our values is systems um, and systems thinking. So it means when somebody goes, hey, I just want to quick fix this, everyone can go like, actually no we don't quick fix things we look at it from a systems perspective and it's like oh yeah okay that's right um uh, love and light is one of our values and um so there's a lot of encouragement to like when people are like make goofing off or doing something really funny um or you know showing their senses of humor it's not like hey get back to work it's like let's see it like let's see you be you and 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 and, and do that and so we, the other thing we we cultivate is we we tend to eat lunch together um as like a family like 
meal. Um, and so when we're sitting around that table, we aren't in a conference room and we aren't in a workstation. Like we're sitting around and able to be our, you know, our true selves. And so there's, there's things that we have to do. Um, or like we, we take mindful time at three. Um, really everyone's like, I'm going to go take a walk. And it's like, great, because one of our things is to like be out in nature. So, um, you have to, you can't just like write values down. You have to also support the living of them. I love that. That's that's such a good. I think you bring up a, a few great points in the fact that when you start a business or even just work, have a job in general, you sh- it's a community and almost a sense of family, like you said. Like with us at Ready Yeti, that's one of our most important things is being being a family and a community. Like so, I started my, um, Ready Yeti with two of my close friends, and so we already have that sort of bond. And as we grow and bring on new people, like you guys said. It, it's important to showcase what your values are and make sure that the people that you're bringing on also hold those to be equally as important because as you grow, you're, you're spending so much time with each other. It'd be silly not to get to know each other and laugh, like you said, and do all that. So I think that's great. Yeah, it also extends for us to our partners and to who we work with and to our investors. Um, our investors have to share and respect these values and understand that this is the kind of company that um, we are and that we're cultivating. Um, and if they're an organization that is runs counter to um, these values, then it might not be a good fit. So we have to be willing to make hard decisions based on these values. Um, and we have in the past. And, you know, it's been... It's always better to walk away from things that are people or organizations that don't match because in the long term it would be far more difficult if it's a mismatch of values. You're so right. You are so, so right. And, <laughs> and, and there's so many people who make the decisions specifically off of money, right? The monetary added value and then they don't realize that like, well, this company literally is the opposite of what you're trying to, to do. So I think that's a great point that so many people overlook and just don't think about. Mm-hmm. What would you guys say has been, because obviously there's a lot of hard parts to starting a business. What would you say stands out as one of the hardest parts of building um, the Renewal Workshop? I think one of the things that's interesting is just like uh, doing stuff takes the time it takes. You know, we're really excited about our business and really excited about moving things forward and we want to go fast, but we're creating a network that involves a whole bunch of different partners in an industry that's really entrenched in the way that it does stuff. And we've been thrilled at how fast we've been able to go um, and how we've been able to get partners on board. But um yeah, one of the things that's tough is wanting to go faster, or wanting, or or time goes faster than we can go. Yeah, you know, I think that's it. Kind of goes both ways. We're like, oh, I wish we could hurry up and just do this, or ah, what? It's Friday. How did it get here? So I think it's a you know, there's a combination of those things. It's kind of a back and forward seesaw that has been tough when you've got a mountain of things to do, and you know, luckily we have seven incredibly almost now eight i think it's eight now uh incredible as of this week it's eight incredibly <laughs> dedicated employees um that work really hard but that's one thing that pops to my mind mm-hmm. the other thing that i think is hard is how um like my brain my like 
skills and my smarts part of myself knows like, oh, I know how to do that. Or I don't know how to do that, but I know someone to ask or I can talk to Jeff about it. But I think there's an emotional factor in running a company that I didn't know would be so hard uh, because like, like my husband always, when I come home, he's like, yeah, you were like thinking all day and like dealing with people issues and doing things that like, no wonder you're so tired. And I was like, oh, I guess I don't give that as much credit. Um, but like making sure that people are okay and like kind of being aware of like, hey, is Jeff like, all right, he's been traveling a lot. I'm worried about him now. I'm worried about my staff. Um, you know, someone was sick last week and you're like, oh my gosh, like I, I hope they're okay. like, all of a sudden your, your family gets really big and um, you take that on. Um, and I don't think I was really aware of that and how much that would uh, affect my life. And in as much as that's a, uh, a hard thing, it is a great thing, but it's definitely bigger and different. I think that's a great point. And so many people don't realize that when, you, when you're a founder of a business and you have people who on your team that rely on you, you realize how much weight's really on your shoulders because their well-being is, a lot of it is up to you to make, make good decisions, make sure that you move the business in the, in the right direction. Um, which can add a lot of stress, <laughs> a lot of stress. Yeah, there's a the expression, um, it's not personal, it's just business, is one that I think is absolutely incorrect because businesses are made up of people and people <laughs> are personal. So all of business and all decisions associated with business are personal. I think that's a great point. That's That's such a good point. And not that many people are aware of that or realize it. But as they get into business, I'm sure they slowly, slowly start to understand that fact. What would you guys say, and I guess this sort of touches on it, is your biggest fear and how do you manage it? Fear. Well, we don't run our business out of fear. <laughs> we run our business out of love. Um well, that's what it is. Actually, it's I, I say that in jest, but actually, it's a really um, important point. Is actually we call out fear in our business whenever it crops up as a um, a point at which we're making a decision that is based in fear, and a lot of decisions in business are made out of fear: fear of resource, fear of money, fear of making the the some sort of KPI or some metric or something. Um, and you can kind of feel it when you're when you know when when fear like rises to the top of a um, problem solving process and the anxiety gets higher. And so whenever fear bubbles up, it, we we've been able to kind of stop it and be like, wait, we don't make decisions here out of fear. And so just saying that in a room filled with people deflates the anxiety. It's like, oh, right, okay, so I now have permission not to make that decision out of fear. If I make it out of not fear, then it might take longer or cost more or, and it's like, oh, that's okay. You know, so we can deal with that. Um, and it's just like, we're just trying to really keep fear away from everything that we do in this business and instead look at it through how we make decisions through a totally different lens. So fear is not allowed inside the building. 
Yeah, and fear shows itself up in, um, I think, a big way or a good example for people to resonate with is, like, your ego. Like, when your ego is threatened, you get a a flight um, response or a fight response. And so, like, um, if something comes up where I made a mistake and I'm reacting to it because I don't want to be looking bad, but in my reaction, I actually, like, make someone else feel worse or I make a bad decision for the company or I'm like, no, we can't do that because of you know, it's not because it's not a good idea. It's because I'm scared that I don't have value or I'm not important or um, I made a mistake. And if you can catch yourselves before that, then that's when you're like, oh, wow, we're actually making good decisions out of good places. And that will be important and that will help our company. It requires people to be very self-aware Uh, And I think that's part of, too, of, like, hiring people and saying, like, what do you do in situations where you're in conflict or you're sad or you're scared and you make decisions? And and hearing people's answers, you're just like, wow, okay, you have a good sense of self-awareness. And so um, we're going to be okay. Like, you can make lots of mistakes, but you'll be aware of them and you'll come back and make better decisions because you'll have learned from that. That's that's a great point. I think fear, you never want to make a decision out of fear or being emotional, as some people like to say, is just like you're, you're clouded, you're not going to make the right decision. It's like for me, like whenever I'm faced with a big decision, when I know I'm a, like I have that fear or I'm anxious or whatever it is, I'm like, all right, I'm going to sit on this for a few hours and then I come back to it and think if the decision I came to now is the same then. <laughs> And sort of figure it out because you're right. If you make decisions out of fear, you're you're, you're gonna it's gonna it's not gonna be the right one. <laughs> yeah. What would you guys say have been some of the bigger mistakes you've made with uh, the renewal workshop? Well, let's see. What what were yesterday's mistakes? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I, I actually was talking to. Um, Jana, who's our systems lead about this, I was like, I feel like we're, we are constantly making micro mistakes, but we're iterating and learning from it. Um, so we're catching them quickly enough that we can do something else. Like, um, in like, oh, I was supposed to ship this thing. Oh, I was supposed like trying to figure out a UPS shipping thing. You're like, okay, that's like, it should be a very simple mistake, but it turned into this huge thing and brought up all these other issues. And you're like, okay, I screwed this whole thing up and now I didn't ship this thing on Friday. And now it's like, what are we, Wednesday? And, uh, and so you're just like, oh, okay. But rather than sitting and being in my mistake, I'm like, okay, how, how do we learn this? How do we figure it out? Okay. Now we understand how to deal with this in the future. So for me, it's like, it hasn't been one big thing that's ruined the company, but it's just a ton of like fucking learning over and over and over again. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be okay with that. Yeah, yeah, I totally get that. I think entrepreneurship is like a, um, it's a process of failing forward. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It is. It 100% is. It's failing, being like, okay, how can I do it better the next time? (laughs) And then just keep progressing. Because I, I feel like especially... In today's culture, especially in the United States, with education, you're so, you're sort of taught to be afraid of failure and to never want to fail. And if you do fail, then you're stupid or you're inadequate in some way. And I feel like, when especially when you start a business, oh man, you fail a lot in the beginning. <laughs> you you fail a lot, 
and using that and not letting it discourage you is really important. Yeah, I think the important thing too is like really having the support within the team. And um, I think for Nicole and I being co-founders and co-CEOs has really been uh, one of the most valuable like um, arrangements of this. We were able to uh, really help each other through hard decisions or decisions where we like we're stuck. Um, if one of us is down, the other one's up. If one's, if we're both down, we can be like, okay, we both can't be down. Let's pick <laughs> ourselves up. Right. It's a roller coaster, and if you're sharing that with somebody, then you really have, um, you know, a partner that is on a journey with you that you can feel at exactly the same level and exactly the same um, emotional place. Uh, and you can remind yourselves like, hey, no, you actually need to go for a bike ride right now. And, or you need to go home and be with your partner or you haven't eaten yet today. <laughs> like simple things like that, that like you, you just have somebody who you feel like has your back. Um, and I think that this, I think the concept of a co-CEO in um, startups is one that um, doesn't get very much positive attention but it has been the thing that has moved us forward the fastest and kept us the sanest and has allowed us to make the best decisions because the buck doesn't stop in one place, the buck stops in two places. And in order for it to go forward, we have to confirm with one another that it's the right decision. And having two brains on a decision means that that it's much better than one and that nobody ever gets to make a decision out of fear. And if you're the only one that is responsible for stopping, you know, making the final decision, those decisions are often made out of fear because you've got nobody around to support you. So this difference of having a co-CEO in the early days really means that like, oh, these decisions actually are very well thought through. Well, that's mm -hmm. very interesting. That's very interesting. So, what advice would you guys give to someone that wanted to start their own business in the outdoor industry or just a business in general? <laughs> um, you know what I would say? It's funny. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts about startups and, and hearing from new um, people is the planning process is really valuable. And like, um, so I would say like, really writing a business plan is a really useful exercise being a part of an accelerator or an incubator is a really useful process to go through i didn't know about it, any of that i mean i knew i had written the business plan but i didn't know about these other resources that were out there so um um jeff connected us with a really great um accelerator incubator called the mill and we were involved with them and it was just really helpful to be like I didn't even know what questions to ask. And the idea is still a good idea, but it's not a business until you put like a financial plan to it and a sales plan to it and an operations plan to it. And so um, I think that's the difference is a lot of people just start businesses because it would be fun or it's a good idea. Um, and then specifically for outdoor, I mean, outdoor in some ways is a very crowded market. If you're going to go in and make a new widget uh, that is being made by everybody else. But at the same time, it's also kind of a 
stagnant industry. And so there's a lot of room for innovation. So I think within outdoor, if you're coming to the table with a different way of thinking and a new idea and a new technology, that like there's a huge opportunity there. Yeah, and I would add that um, and go back to the conversation about values. And I would say that if you want to actually start a business that is more than just your invention or you doing being your own your own guy or girl like doing something like if you want to hire people and have a business and grow it you have to start by establishing a foundation for what that business is and so take the time to come up with your values and really deeply understand why are you doing this how are you going to run this business and what is it going to stand for because otherwise you don't have a lens to make decisions and you're going to make decisions in, um, based on whatever factors are sitting in front of you you don't have a foundation so be intentional take the time you're probably the only one rushing yourself so <laughs> note that you are setting your own timelines um, and really just be cautious and go go at the pace that you need to go. I think that's great advice. So what, what's uh, in store for the future with the Renewal Workshop? Where do you guys see yourself going in the next couple of years, five, ten years? We'll have an empire. <laughs> <laughs> we will. Well, I think um, our we have a very ambitious big vision, and that is a circular economy for the apparel industry. And so that includes things like recycling textiles, which there is very limited innovation in that space in today, but there's a lot of really cool companies and ideas that are being uh, developed right now. Um, we think there's a huge opportunity in the resale of product, um, the existing product, uh, and how to engage uh, customers with that and the journey of that. So, um, yeah, right now our big focus is renewed apparel, but we'll start working more in upcycling and recycling uh, over the years. That's awesome. That's awesome. So what's the best part about running your own business, guys? Um, what's really exciting uh, is the people that we've been able to partner with and find. It's kind of funny when you set up a business like, God, are we ever going to find somebody that knows how to do, like, take on this job? And we found, like, the most amazing people, brains and hearts, that, like, are now part of our world and are so important to us and you're just like wow we didn't know these people like six months ago and they're doing this with us and this is incredible like to me it's just it's 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 fun and you we get to solve really big problems and and because these people share our values and are behind what we're trying to do it's like a joy to come in and do the work and that's something that's really special and something that's really intentional that we're trying to build yeah i agree i think the thing that's so exciting is about running your business is that like this sounds silly but you can do what you want in the sense that we i was always in companies where you're like oh those are good ideas and one day we'll get around to them and it's like 
I want to build a circular economy for your apparel. <laughs> it's like, okay, right. that's what we're going to get up and do every day. And to, to Jeff's point, like, um, we have such an amazing team that actually can do it. Like, it, it's, it's going to take a huge village to accomplish the goals we're trying to accomplish. Um, but, like, if we want to incorporate environmental metrics into our reporting we can do that if we want to choose to like be a zero waste company we can do that and i think that's the thing that's exciting is that i don't have to write a you know case study and a business proposal and flush it through eight chains of command to eventually get there it's like oh we have a really strong vision and all of us come to work every day to execute that vision um and that means we can go forward faster that's, that's a great point. And um, I want to thank you guys for taking the time to chat with me. But also, for anyone who's listening, you guys can head over to Ready Yeti to enter to win um, some renewed apparel on ReadyYeti.com between December 6th and December 20th. Um, head on over. And um, if they want to learn more about you guys, where, where should they go? Uh, on the Instagram. We're at Renewal Workshop on Instagram, and you can go to therenewalworkshop.com to find out all the details about Renewed Apparel. Perfect, and we'll link uh, to all that on the show notes. And uh, Nicole and Jeff, I want to thank you for taking the time to uh, chat with me and explain your business. I think it's really interesting what you guys are doing, and I can tell you're super passionate about it. I'm really excited to see what you guys do in the future. Awesome. Thank Thanks, you, Josh. Hey, Ready Any Podcast listeners, if you enjoyed today's episode, then I would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready Any Podcast. I'll catch you next week.